Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On Giddy Up, it's time for the debate. Jack Jenkins, good morning to you. Oh, we did have morning, Jack. Jack. How are you? I am very well, mate. Um, how's your week been? Yeah, been very good. Very good. Uh, I was down at Mooney Valley track work on Monday morning. Got to see a few of those nice horses. We got running Friday night, do some work, which was good. And uh, just been trying to do some rehab the rest of the week. So who are you more impressed with that during this week? I think Imperatrice went to the Valley Tuesday. Is that right? And merely is Jewel Monday. Um, who yeah. do you think will be the biggest star on Friday night at the Valley? Oh, I was I was giddy with excitement being around Amelia's Jewel. You know, maybe it's a little bit of the story, and um, you know, I've I've bought in a little bit to the hype and that sort of thing. But then I watched it do some work with one of Nick Ryan's horses, and there's a little clip of me looking at Simon Miller, and he tells me to stop laughing and don't go the early crow because it was just so impressive watching her work. Yeah, there's something special about her that. The, the story I rem- I was on I was on radio with Simon Miller on a Saturday morning I think it was before a railway stakes and we were just having a chat about his runners that day and then all of a sudden Simon goes unbelievable like he was lost for words he, he he was clocking horses as he was talking to me and he clocked Amelia's jewel for her first ever gallop and she smashed the clock and he wouldn't reveal her name on that particular occasion. But he knew from the start that she was quite special. And she's just got that, I don't know, she's got an aura about her. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And she's a real calm, calm character, like sitting in the stable. She's just looking around, taking it all in. And, you know, I think one thing that's really important at the Valley is you want to see a horse, especially like Amelia's Jewel, be able to come around the bend and not lose any any distance, uh, be able to pick up lengths coming around the bend because you can't be too far back by the time you get to the top of the straight. And she was probably a length and a half off this horse she was working with and maybe under a little bit of a ride, the one that was in front of her, and she just canted up around um, under, you know, no pressure at all and went straight past and uh, then super clean-winded and obviously has recovered really well straight after. So I think she's going to steal the show. And um, it's really exciting for the prospect that if they do decide to take her to a Cox Plate, depending on how she goes Friday night, then we know she'll handle the valley there as well. Yeah, 499 First question, while we're on Amelia's Jill, so do you think she'll take centre stage Friday night at the valley over in Peritrees who goes around in that Group 1 Moyer? Because I think a few of the officials at Mooney Valley would be a little bit nervous, especially with Amelia's Jill, because if she wins well, She'll firm right up for that Cox Plate. For mine, I, I reckon they, they're going to the Cox Plate. So they'll probably go to a Turak at Caulfield, then to a Cox Plate, or maybe even a Might and Power. So I think she's going to be the star of the spring. We'll get to our ranking shortly, but she'll be winning on Friday night. And then look out, look out for the rest of the spring. So I think she'll take center stage over in Peritrees on Friday night. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. It, it, it's hard, though. Um, I think 
in both of them, I don't know how strong the fields are going to be for both of them. Um, so it's going to be they're going to both need to win impressively over the fields that they're against to, for us to get excited. Because you know, Imperatrice put a a, le- a length on Giga Kick and uh, Rothfire last start, which is very impressive. So um, it's about like what what kind of expectations are we going to need to have that we'll be happy with with these horses? I think. I think Imperatrice has got a tougher assignment. She'll meet horses like a Bella Nipatina and an Asfura and those quality gallopers. Where Amelia's Jewel, uh, I think she just she's against her own sex over a mile. Um, it's just a perfect setup for her, and that's uh, I think the way that Simon wanted to approach the the spring with her, give her a couple of easy kills in a way. I know let's elope and um, that race there on Friday night aren't easy assignments. They're still group races, but she's a Group One quality horse, so. She takes on her own sex. She'll be winning there on Friday night. And then she faces some tougher challenges from then on when she heads to probably Caulfield and then to a to a Cox Plate. Now the Everest. This is our second point of discussion. Is there a chance the Everest winner hasn't got a slot just yet? I'll start off with you here, Jack, because we had Sunshine in Paris that pulled out of the Aqua stud, uh, um, the Aqua slot there yesterday. So Aquas need to find a new horse. Henry Field joined myself and Guy Molcaster for the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast that will drop later today, but we recorded that this morning. He's all over. Think about it. And, of course, Newgate have got a slot there as well in the Everest. So um, they'll have that galloper go around. Um, They'll have that galloper go around there on Saturday in the Premier Stakes. And then he was indicating that they were close because he's also – got a share in osmosis um they were close of securing a slot with him with james harron bloodstock who of course is henry's brother-in-law but in the end james harron decided to go with cylinder so godolphin have got two horses now two horses in the in the everest within secret representing godolphin and then their colt cylinder representing james harron so there's still about four or five slots four slots still yet to be filled jack which is interesting yeah, the Wallace slot, the Coolmore slot, um, Yulong. It's it, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. And now Aquas. Yeah, I, I'm not sure um, if the winner is hasn't got a slot yet because you know I'm I've got my ear to the ground and I'm trying to get as many whispers as I can about are they seriously discussing taking Imperatrix up. Or are they just are these guys happy to go? No, nah, we're going Moya, Manicado, Champion Sprint. That's the route we want to take. The three Group Ones, um, and then you hear other people say, "No, nah, no, nah, they're just good negotiators. They're just waiting for the right deal at the Everest to take Imperatrix up." So if Imperatrix is a chance to go, then I think absolutely there's a chance that we don't have the winner in a slot yet. But if Imperatrix doesn't go to the Everest, then I think we've got got the winner in this field already. So Bella Nipatina, I apologise. She's in Sydney for the Premier Stakes. So yeah, I, try- thought, I thought that was yeah, the case. Yeah, I apologise. So she'll be trying to put her hand up for a slot in the Everest as well. I yeah. think at the moment the barriers will help your cause in an Everest. And these sprinting races, they can be great levelers with a bit of luck in running. Imperatrice, this is, this is my understanding anyway, Jack. So Mark Chittick and the team with I Wish I Win did a great deal with Entain. 
And so I, I would imagine that David Ellis would be of an understanding in a way of what type of deal that I wish I went and got for that slot. And he'd be looking for a similar deal with Imperatrice if he wants to go to the Everest with her and the connections there at Tiako Racing, who are part of that, that ownership with that man. I'm looking at now the slot holders that are left. Maybe only Yulong, I think, could produce a deal that would be hard for the Imperatrice team to knock back. So at the moment, they're saying that they're definitely staying in Victoria. There's no chance that they're going to the Everest, but that can change with if she comes out and bolts home in a Moya and they do offer a deal that's too good to refuse. So um, it's an interesting situation. I think Overpass is a chance if he does go that way. I think the three-year-olds will play a part in this year's Everest. It's sad that we didn't see Shinzo at his best there and he pulled up lame after Saturday's Golden Rose. So I think, think about it. He, I think he's quite a special horse as well. Um, and it'd be, and he's been heavily supported to win the premier stakes there on Saturday. So it's going to be interesting to see how he performs. He's second up in, in the Everest, but they need to get moving slots like a, a Coolmore and, Chris Waller Racing, what do they do? And they're not going to go with Espiona. I don't think they're after her victory on Saturday because the connections don't want to go down that path. So Chris Waller needs to find a horse as well. So something might be out of left field, a bit like what Giggy Kick was last year when he was picked up at the last minute after the Danehill Jack. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And those, like that, I love looking to try and find three-year-olds in like their... their the futures markets for a Cox Plate or the futures market for an Everest. Um, uh, it's really exciting. Obviously, after the Guineas, or if you have something you like in the Guineas, is the best chance to do it um, for the Cox Plate. But because the Everest is all these different lead-ups, it's hard to find one. I've got I've got a couple of boys who have been spruiking osmosis to me since they since they watched its first trial before it even had a race. Um, and then I saw somewhere that with the lane it was in, it had a, it was a really impressive run because no one else was making ground from that lane and Osmosis did it really well. So maybe Osmosis gets a slot and that'll be an interesting yeah. three-year-old because he's a bit of a brute. So with the light weight, that could be a, something something to have a look at. What would you do in the Everest if you had one of those slots? 0499736736. And then you've got to think like Invader was the sire of Sunshine in Paris who stands at Aquas. So that's why they went down that path with that man. Now she's out. So what do they do? They have to rethink yeah. and find out whether they sell their slot. So that's interesting. Coolmore usually go down the path of finding a horse that's representing one of their stallions. So they would have probably loved a horse like a, a think about it being by, so you think, but that horse has already been snapped up by the Newgate GPI racing syndicate. Um, do you think Coolmore could offer the Imperatrice camp some sort of post-career deal with one of their stallions that might have her run in their slot with Shinzo not being 100%? I think there's a, there's a, there's a strong chance that might happen. Even it might be a chance with Yulong as well, but I would imagine being in a syndicate like that, they might just try and sell Imperatrice after her racing career. Um, in Hobart fellas, how's Jack's recovery coming along? How you, how are you traveling there, Jack, with your rehab? Yeah, really good. Really good. Um, I saw the surgeon on Friday last week and he, uh, told me that he's super happy with my recovery. I'll avoid surgery. Um, I'll be back training in four weeks and uh, sort of back to full contact in eight weeks. Uh, but says 
just got to keep baby in it for another sort of week to 10 yeah. days before we can start to push it with the rehab. So you, going really well. And you'll be back in the cage early next year. Is that right? That's correct. Early next year. Yeah. And a lot of text messages coming through. He would give you one leg kick, Gareth, and you'd be crying. Um, last 10 seconds. So there you go. Um, <laughs> any love for the, um, any love for Espiona and the Everest? Well, talking to a few of my connections, I think that Chris Waller would love to go maybe down that path, but I don't think the connections at Star Thoroughbreds want to go down that path with Espiona. So I would imagine she's unlikely at the moment for a slot in the Everest. 17 minutes past eight. This is the Wednesday debate. You can join our conversation, 0499 736 736. Anytime you want. We'll even open up the lines today. If you've got a question for Jack and I or you've got an opinion on some of the topics that we're having a chat about, We'll chat about who you think should be getting a slot in the Everest. Um, has the Melbourne Cup got a better build-up with the narratives this year? I think that's a good debate at the moment because I'm liking the build-up to this year's Melbourne Cup. Will Tommy Berry return to being in Australia's top five jockeys after he makes his long-awaited return from suspension today? Militarise v Stepati in a Caulfield Guineas. And then we've got our rankings at the moment, the top five rankings Um in Australian racing for the spring so far. And I've got a few more additions to my top five. And of course, a few have also departed. So we'll come back with all of that straight after this here on Giddy Up. This is Gareth Hall and Jack Jenkins with you for Giddy Up's Wednesday debate. Thanks to Bet365, the world's favourite online betting brand. Imagine what you could be buying instead for free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Yeah, I really have. It's obviously the circumstances of how everything happened. Uh, wasn't ideal, but I think for myself, it was the best thing it's, it's happened to me. Um, having that time away from the sport, it's, I've been riding for quite a long time now and, and had a, a fair bit happen in my life over that time. So it was really nice to spend a bit of time with my family and I've got a normal job working on a turf farm for a while. I really enjoyed doing that and it gave me obviously a new appreciation for what I'm able to do and and um, what I'm able to work for as well. So um, it was a it was nice to sort of find find out a bit more about myself, which I, I didn't know I could. Yeah, on, a, on a more personal note, obviously you've had a bit of time off. You've been through plenty in your career, no doubt making your comeback next week. Have you set any big goals for the rest of 2023 and the future? Yeah, look, I, I just want to um, uh, be really competitive in the jockeys. I think since since I've, I've been away, um, a lot of the apprentices have been getting a a good go and a good run. So that's good. That's going to keep um, us honest and they can ride quite light as well. So that's good. But um, James has always been in- incredible. Uh, he's incredible for the Sydney jockeys room because I think he makes any jockey have to rise to a new level to compete against uh, himself. And obviously we've got um, Joe Marrera here on the odd occasion as well now. So um, just to, to make sure I'm, you know, firmly in that top, top two or top three jockeys in, in Sydney, as I have been for the, the last eight years. And, um, and continue that sort of form. But just consistency has always been a big thing for me. I think the best jockeys anywhere in the world are very consistent riding winners week in, week out. Um, so so doing that, um, I think, is very important. So that was Tommy Berry speaking on the Sydney set, which is on each and every Saturday morning on 11.70 in Sydney with Mickey Gannon and Nick Ashman. And I had a chat to Tommy Berry. I love listening to Tommy. He's coming back from that suspension after he did the wrong thing. And I think he can definitely jump back pretty quickly into not only Sydney's top five jockeys, but the country's top five jockeys. 
Like I think J-Mac, B-Shin, D-Lane, Nash Wheeler are the, the top four at the moment. But I think the, the, the fifth spot's up for grabs there for mine, um, Jack Jenkins. And I think Tommy at his very best, and he's proven that over the years when he's riding at his best, he's definitely in the top echelon of hoops in this country. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I think what, what he spoke about then that's like sort of resonated with me a little bit is when you're in when you're in an elite sport or a, an elite profession and you and you go down that path after a while it can get it can get tiring and you can feel like um you just crave a little bit of normalcy and a little bit of you know being able to do the things that other people do um and often after you you take a little break for a while you realize that you actually do love what you do and it kind of reignites the fire in you a little bit. And just reading up a little bit on Tommy, you know, he, he his weight got right up. He was eating all the food that he wanted to. Um, like he got a normal job, like he said. And I think you, you can do that for a bit and then realize, you know what? I'm actually pretty lucky to do this elite sport. And and it's, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to do this. So I'm going to go back with the kind of renewed vigor to do it. So I absolutely agree with you. He's a superstar. He'll go back. Um, you know, it might take him a little bit to get back to the fitness and, and get his decision-making right back. But, you know, by the time the spring gets right and proper into it, I think he'll be back and flying. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he'll be, and you've seen it in, in the past with jockeys have had those suspensions. They've come back better riders, uh, hungrier riders. J-Mac did it when he had that year out, a year and a bit out after his suspension as well. So I think you'll see a, a new lease of life with, with Tommy Berry. And he's always been a very good jockey. And in fact, he was fighting with, with Macca for premierships not so long ago. So, And he'll get opportunities at Chris Wallers and he'll get opportunities at Team Hawks as well. He's best mates with Michael Hawks. And speaking of Michael Hawks, big happy birthday to Michael. Um, I think he's a lot younger than, than Wayne Hawks, but he's celebrating his birthday today. So happy birthday to Michael Hawks. And it'll be interesting to see what Remark can do. If he can put his hand up maybe for an Everest slot in the Premier Stakes, on Saturday, 8.28, let's take the news and we'll continue on the Wednesday debate here on Giddy Up. Gareth, is there any talk of a Melbourne three-year-old, Archo Nacho and the like? I think Archo Nacho heads to Sydney on Saturday, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do. The $10,000 purchase is a weanling for Matty Laurie and his family. Um, he won a good race down the straight there at Flemington the other day. If he wins, he'll definitely be in consideration. And morning, Gareth, for the uneducated, what sort of money would be um, we're talking to secure imperatories for the Everest, in your opinion. Well, I was having a look at the different breakdowns of the situations with prize money breakdowns for a horse like Imperatory. So the first prize in a in a Everest is $7 million. And if it's a 50-50 deal, it'll be $3.5 million. So I think that they would be looking for at least 70% which is $4.9 million for winning. And if she, and if she finishes last, $700,000 they get. So whether they do a deal um, that they get all of that or half, I don't know. So that's, that's the type of deal that would be looking for because if she wins the Matacardo, she gets $1.2 million. And then if she wins the Moya, she gets 600000 So there's a chance that she could make $1.8 um, if she stays in Melbourne and competes in those two Valley races. And, but if she races in at Everest, if she runs second, there's a chance that she could just get 2 million. So 
it's it's an interesting situation that they have to weigh up here, um, Jack. So I would imagine they would be wanting seventy percent of the prize money at least, maybe seventy yeah. to eighty percent to get her there. Yeah, hundred percent. I imagine that's why if there is a deal going that it's being held up, um, you know, Tiakao are a very astute stable, and I'm sure that the negotiations they're doing, they're doing to make sure it's in their favour. And if you're one of these people without a slot. I'd be going hard at it. Like, like I don't know. It, it's more important to me to sit around and go, all right, let's get the best horse into our slot and be known as people who make good deals and favourable deals so we get the, the chance to get the best horses on if we get in this position again. But I think that's yep. a different case for like someone like a, a Tabber and Entame where they're using that slot as a marketing, um, a marketing tool where if you're a Chris Waller or I don't know, the farmers have got plenty, they can use that to think outside of the square to help them maybe – um, with their 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 farm as a as a marketing tool as well, or whether they can do a deal with Imperatrice maybe to the sale of her, but um, it's it, it's still a business. They're putting in seven hundred thousand dollars, so they need to try and like. There's no good putting Imperatrice in if they're getting, um, if they win, they get four point nine. So they're still probably making a million and a bit with it, but it's not a great deal on their behalf. But at the end of the day, if they're waiting this long, like. They need Imperatrice more than she needs them in a way. Yeah, no, I get that. But if if, if not, then just sell the slot. Like yeah. Just sell the slot for the year So if you don't want to do a deal. Yeah, and then like, and you have to look at the, the prize money breakdown. I know the Everest is worth $20 million, but you get $7 million for winning, 2.9 for second, 2 for third, then 1.5. So the slot holders basically, if they're going 50-50, um, they're losing money if they finish fifth because you get $1.2 million for finishing fifth. They're going 50-50. That's $600,000. So there's you need to win or definitely finish in the top two to have a profitable Everest in a way. So it's not easy for the slot holders. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting breakdown. And then for a horse, say, if you're 20 to 1 or 30 to 1 chance in an Everest, you could go to a Manicato or Moy, and you can still raise for pretty good money. Um, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation that you have to weigh up, and when you're punching the numbers, and especially for a mare, you definitely have to have the deal um, on your side. I would imagine if you're a horse like an Imperatrice. Eight thirty-two. Let's take a well. Let's take the news, and we'll come back with plenty more straight after this. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Welcome back to Giddy Up, Gareth Hall with you, Jack Jenkins, for the Wednesday debate. Loving your text messages. Hi, Gareth. Well, Yearlong will go at least 90% if they have no other option. Um, the Kiwis are clever. If alcohol-free does disappoint on Saturday, a deal will get done. I agree with you there, whoever that is. I, I, I think you long are the favourites to get in Imperatrice if um, alcohol-free doesn't come up in the Premier Stakes. But they did pay $11 million for that former English mayor. Out of interest, how does Imperatrice go the Sydney way? Well, Mark Walker and Tiago Racing have been on the record suggesting, and Opie Blossom, I think, for that matter as well, that she's probably a length better than Melbourne way, but she has had success going the Sydney way as well. So, yeah, she could perform at a high level either Sydney or Melbourne way, but I think she's slightly a better horse going the Melbourne way. 0499 736 736 to join our conversation. 
We'll come back with plenty more, including do you think that there's been a better build-up with the narratives heading towards this year's Melbourne Cup? We'll discuss that with Jack Jenkins straight after this. Welcome back to Getting Up, Gareth Hall with you and Jack Jenkins for the Wednesday debate. Good on you, John. John sent in that message regarding Yulong Farm and what they would do if if um, alcohol-free didn't perform up to expectations. And the Premier, they will all, they will probably try and offer imperatories and connections, uh, an offer that is too good to refuse. Um, and then John just mentioned his name there and he said, I gave you a serve about Chris Waller, by the way, but it was great to listen to him on your show. Keep up the good work. Thanks for that, John. Morning, Gareth. David Ellis was on racing.com um, the other day and he was emphatic in saying in Melbourne, staying in Melbourne with Imperatrice, they don't want to go to Sydney. It seems not about the money for him and Tiako Racing. It's all about winning Group 1 races. I'm very interested, though, what unfolds. I hold a nice futures bet on I Wish I Win. That's from Adam from Brisbane. I can understand what David is saying, Adam, and I, I, I believe David, but if a deal comes and they offer... 70 or 80 percent of seven million dollars that's 5.6 million if you win you got to go back and tell the owners guys i want to stay in sydney for a group one but i'm i'm knocking back 5.6 million if we win the everest i think that she's on that truck um jack if that's the case yeah i agree of yep. course she's gonna go to the whole everything in this game you know comes down to what's best for the horse what's best for the ownership group um, and what, what's best, you know, in the long run. And if there, there's a slot there, she'll be in it. Yep. Stuart says, I think the narrative for this year's Melbourne Cup has been a lot better. A large contributor to this is the de- decreased level of conversation of horses failing vet tests and side effects with the, the scans. The, of course, the CT scans that everybody has to pass, unfortunately. I'm not unfortunate. I think that's what Racing Victoria need to do because of the situation that we had, we've had with the Melbourne Cup. So um, it is testing on the horses, but it, it's they 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 got to make sure that they have no more fatalities in the Melbourne Cup. It's as simple as that because the ramifications, not just for that race, but the whole racing industry is massive if we have horses going down in our great race. So the focus has been more on the horses rather than those that aren't. Not sure if there's been a change in process or previous processes has matured and become accepted. I think, Stuart, that... Um, last comment you, you you just made there that I think everybody's starting to understand and accept it and understand the protocols now on what you need to do to make sure that your horse is ready to get into a Melbourne Cup. But I think that narratives, Jack, for the Melbourne Cup have been a lot better this year. I think we can understand a few of the stories better, better than we have, say, in previous years. Um, just having a look at the market now, for the Melbourne Cup, and you've got horses that we know um, pretty well, like a horse like Sulcum, that's owned by a few of the Richmond boys, trained by Chris Waller. He's been in this country now for a little while. He's the second favourite for the Melbourne Cup. Vorban's got Ryan Moore and Willie Mullins. We've seen this horse compete at Ascot. Breakup's a Japanese horse that we'll probably fall in love with after he wins at Caulfield Cup. Francesca Guardi, we know just fine. It's nearly the story of the spring for mine. The horse sold by King Charles, owned by a group of owners 
in a syndicate with my racehorse. And if he makes it into the Melbourne Cup, it's the best publicity that race can buy for mine, Jack. Yeah, that's going to be huge. I actually, um, it was funny, one of my mates sent me a message uh, and said, I was doing some tips on the weekend a few weeks back, and he sent me a message and said, don't forget about my dad's horse, just fine. Yeah. And I was like, there you go. There's, there must be that many people involved, and they just love it. So that's a great story. And, um, yeah. The Melbourne Cup market, is um, it's it's interesting because if you've only have so many marketing dollars, don't you, that you can spend on building these stories and um, you know, getting getting ad space and that sort of stuff. And I think we really start to see it ramp up after the grand finals this weekend. Then you start to go right. People transition from that end of end of footy season phase into the start of spring and the big racing phase, and that's when we really see the marketing ramp up. But I agree 100%. The stories this year are better than they have been last year and even the year before that, I think. So I think once we see the grand finals finish, that's going to ramp up another another step again and we should have a really good lead in. I think without a fight to horse that everybody knows after his success there in Brisbane, I thought his run was pretty good in the Underwood Stakes there the other day. So, you know, the Melbourne Cup, I would change a few of the... the, the um, like the rules and the protocols getting into a Melbourne cup, I would allow horses who I'll do deals with other States. If you win the Adelaide cup, the Perth cup, the Brisbane cup, you get into the, to the Melbourne cup, because I think that builds the narrative to our great race. And I can under, understand why the VRC don't go down that path. And they only make races conducted at the VRC at Flemington um, races that give you automatic selection into a Melbourne cup. But I think, like we've talked a lot about the, the Everest this morning because that narrative generates itself because of the, the slots and yeah. um, it's, it's, it, it does its own marketing. If you know what I mean, where, where the Melbourne cup, if you've got races like an Adelaide cup or a Perth cup and you, you get into the Melbourne cup, if you win those races, I think that generates talking points for our great race and gives people something to dream about that from a local perspective. So if you're in Perth and you've got a horse that wins a Perth cup, well, you're into the Melbourne cup already. And that generates a lot of conversation um, around our great race. Yeah, hundred percent. And then if you win, if you win that race and you've got your spot, uh, then, you know, the trainers can take the exact lead up they want to take. There's no, no worry about trying to qualify or, or get the ratings up in a, in a certain way. They can do whatever they want to have that horse tip top for the race. And I think sometimes now with the Europeans is that we're not getting the superstar Europeans like we did once upon a time, like the Yates and the Oscar Schindlers and those type of horses that were superstars. They were household names, especially in the staying ranks in Europe, but they quickly worked out it's a handicap race and that you can't win with top weights basically in a Melbourne Cup unless you're a dead set champion. And so they've changed their thinking on the way that they approach the Melbourne Cup. They go for horses down at the bottom of the weights, like the Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds had great success. So even yep. this year, we're going to see a few of the jocks, as Wayne Hawks pointed out. There's not too many horses with 54, 55 on their back. So unless J-Mac or um, like D. Oliver and some of those bigger name jockeys actually get a ride like a Sulcum, then they won't be competing in a Melbourne Cup in a way because there's not too many options for them with the weights that they ride. So um, 
Yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I think sometimes we just need to generate better chances locally. And I think that's what makes the Melbourne Cup so great because it is our race and it's the race for the people in a way. And I think sometimes that uh, we've concentrated too much on these European horses that, you know, they they don't really do it for me, unfortunately. Um um, because they're not the, they're not the big names in Europe. We'll take a quick break because we're going to take our final break. On the other side of it, we've got our rankings, our top five rankings. I'm looking forward to listening to what Jack Jenkins has to say with his rankings this time around. All right, then, it's our time for our top five rankings here on Giddy Up on a Wednesday. You know the drill. Top five horses at the moment in the country throughout the spring. There's a few horses that are yet to step out, like a think about it. Will he make it into our top five? He could be in this week. He's been heavily supported for a premier stakes, but will he be in your top five next week after his performance on a Saturday? Jack Jenkins, you can take it away with your top five to kick off proceedings if you like. Yep, absolutely. So mine has had, my top five have probably taken the biggest shift this week that, that they've had in a long time. Um, I've got at number five now, Militarize. Um, he comes up into my top five. Serious racehorse. Caulfield Guineas is going to be so exciting. Uh, which brings me to number four, Stepardi. We've got two three-year-olds in here now. Um so I think that their showdown in the Caulfield Guineas is going to be massive. And then I would love to see, you know, a, a one-two by these two and then them go again with the lower weights into a Cox fight. I was actually uh, bitterly disappointed that the Connections chose to stay with Johnny Allen. Nothing against Johnny Allen, just that Dean Yendall from its first start said that Stepati might be the best horse he's ever ridden. So the fact that he can't get back on now after the injury is, is disappointing for me. Yeah, and and Paul um, Kruska told us that yesterday was a difficult decision, but you know it's um it's a it's a tough game, it's a tough business, and unfortunately Dean went down with that injury um, in a trial, I think, in the western part of Victoria. But it's a cruel game. But we saw yeah, it with no. Craig Williams; he got the sack from Giga Kick, and then he picks up the ride on a horse like a yellow brick after poor old James Orman gets sacked off another horse this spring. Yeah. Yeah, it's a brutal game. I just would have liked to see Dean on it. But anyway, that doesn't affect the rankings here. Uh, number three, I've got Mr. Brightside. Um, for the first time, knocked off my top spot. Um, I said I wanted to see something that I that made me, you know, change up what I had. I wish I went on top four because I knew I wasn't going to see him until the Everest again. I've got I wish I went in second and Amelia's Jewel in first. Oh, I don't tell me. You're super... Absolute superstar. I think she'll win whatever she wants to win this year and uh, will be the great story of the spring. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Militarize is definitely my top five now. In fact, he's gone to um, spot number four for my Militarize. So I've got, I've still got Solcom in at five because I, I enjoyed his run the other day in the Underwood. I think he's on target for a Caulfield Cup. And a Melbourne yep. Cup. I think he's going to be awfully hard to beat. So Sulcum 5, Militarise 
I think he'll he, he's a better horse than Step Hardy. He'll prove that in the Caulfield Guineas. Henry Field saying that he's definitely going to a Caulfield Guineas. He's not going to the King George. So Miller to rise for four for mine. I think he's a horse that can play a part in a Cox play. Now I did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just on that, Gareth, though. So yeah, he's not going to the King Charles. Sorry. Just on Militarise and Stepardi's runs on the weekend, Stepardi lost a length or two lengths coming around the corner there, had no right to win, came down the outside and absolutely stormed home. And I, as far as the forms go up against each other, I think that form over those horses down here is a little bit underrated, like a centrefire, as opposed to Militarise running against the Shinzos and that up in Randwick up in Sydney, sorry. But I think Stepati's run had huge merit and, and uh, you know, that that it's not out of the question that it could yeah. be better than this Militarise. I think I think at the moment Militarise is the best cult in Sydney and um, Stepati's clearly the best cult in Melbourne. So And there are a couple of lengths in front of their opposition in the three-year-old division, especially over the mile in the 1,400. So, yeah, I, I'm, I think Militarise, and it's going to be a great race, Three, I've got Mr. Brightside. Um, yeah, I think he's a star. He's proven that. He'll win the King Charles. Two, I've still got Imperatrice. I can't get out of my head what she did in the McEwen. And I think she'll win the Moyer. And, of course, Amelia's dual number one. I think she'll win. I agree with you. I, I'm glad that you're finally a believer now, Jack. She'll win everything she contests. Yeah. Love yeah. You. I'm a huge believer. Good on you, mate.